welcome to the Contractor's Best Friend podcast. I'm your host, Brad Humphrey. We're brought to you today by 4constructionpros.com and we're sponsored by Caterpillar. What I'd like to do is introduce you to some of the folks who are going to join me today, my teammates here. Jason Hurtis, who is the construction uh, industry's quarry and aggregate specialist for Caterpillar. Lonnie Fritz, who covers heavy and highway construction for Caterpillar. And then Scott Hageman, who is involved with the great technology. Guys, I'm really glad you're here. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I'm a little bit, I feel a little awkward today because we're actually going to talk about a topic that I wrote a book on. (laughs) So I'm going to try to set you guys up and you guys can teach me some things. And the name of the book is The Seven Steps to Employee Retention. And people can get it on Amazon. I'm not trying to sell books, but just let the audience know where we're coming from. Guys, let me share with you what I laid out is I thought the seven steps to hold on to people longer. We all know the fact that today's economy, number one, we just don't have enough workers in the construction industry. But the other side of the coin is once we do land them, many contractors don't work very hard to keep them there. So before I give you the seven steps, what give me your quick thoughts on what do you see as the status or the economy, so to speak, of employee retention as you see it? with contractors you're engaged with. Lonnie, why don't you start us off? Yeah, as far as retention of current employees, I'll be very blunt here, Brad, and that is there's been a downward trend of loyalty. We hear it in the customers that we interact with where it's just a struggle to keep employees uh, on their payroll today if they can go down the road for another dollar an hour or other incentive pay and different things like that. It's like any relationship because having employees is a relationship and that's communication. Communicating to them where their strengths are, helping them in their training, giving them the vision of the company they're working for, having those one-on-one performance reviews with them to really let them understand one, what how they're valued by the company and two, what opportunities do they have going forward? I know personally individuals of mine, friends from the industry who have left companies because they did not have that open pathway of communication and the looking forward of how they could grow and develop. Yeah, that, that's a great uh, way to start that off. Scott, I know, again, you're working with within the industry. You may be working with a different type of contractors at times. Can you give us some input? What are you, what, what are you just seeing right now in terms of the state of retention for employees? Just like Lonnie said, goodbye for a buck. The, cu- cus- the customers are losing employees way too often because somebody jumps ship for a dollar an hour more. So what I've seen here lately is a huge increase in the amount of money invested in training facilities and at the the small customers even have small rooms for training obviously the big customers have a bigger room more assets to uh, train on but just trying to do some training to give this new operator this new labor this new office person some hard looks at how i can help myself in this role and then expand to the next role one guy applied for a position and he was not qualified for the position in the company. Yep. But the boss asked, why did you apply for it? And he said, well, I, I feel that there's not a lot of opportunity for growth. Yep. So this one came up. So why not throw my name in the hat? Exactly. So the owner then kind of said, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that the, my employees actually feel that way. I need to change right. that. That's good insight there. It is interesting, even uh, with a client that is, does a lot of advertising on, on LinkedIn. It is amazing how many times they put out a job title and then people who aren't even in the industry apply to it because they pick up on the word foreman 
or supervisor and they think that because they may have been a foreman at the local Wendy's restaurant or one of the hardware stores that they can immediately apply as a foreman for a construction company. I think we all know that's a little bit different. And also, Jason, give us some thoughts on your, and again, you still work with yet another important section of the industry. What are you seeing from some of the owners and contractors as it relates to the economy of holding on to employees? I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Lonnie hit it with communication. You you can't, I think, over-communicate the value that they bring, what they're doing, why they're doing it. Simple things of an operator and a wheel loader moving material. Explain to them why he's moving material and what it's actually doing so it's not mundane work. They can see the bigger picture. And once they see the bigger picture, they almost feel as part of the company or empowered within the company. And then, like Scott mentioned, training. We've seen, especially in the last year, the requests and the needs for training to go through the roof. Some of it's been because things have been a little bit slower, but I think people are starting to realize I need to make sure my people are trained, not only in the day-to-day operations, but other other facets, other things to help them grow as individuals uh, and help them grow within the company. So I think the last year has really highlighted a lot of the gaps that we've had because of some of the retention issues that have been obviously brought to the forefront in 2020. Boy, let me fill in that gap because you just really hit a nice buzzword there for the gap. The reason I was inspired to write it, and essentially this was a series of seven articles that we turned into a book, but we found that there were quite a few studies done in the industry about why people were leaving the workplace, especially in construction. In fact, my own business at the time did a minor study. We found that there were, you know, there was obviously there's a lot of things that people could leave for, but here were the top, who were the three that we found the most common, and they often were in the top five or six. One is no one's talking to me. Second of all, no one's training me. And then no one is really mentoring or coaching me. And I thought that was interesting. So let me share with you guys now the, the seven steps. And let's go, we'll, we'll take these on individually. But the first step was onboarding. You know, onboarding actually is is a rather new term uh, for for this industry and for the country's industries as well, because 20 years ago, you didn't hear much about onboarding, but it did begin to change. Human resource people started using that term. But onboarding is nothing more than really making sure that we do everything we can to bring that individual on. We'll come back and talk about that uh, in just a moment, but bring them on to the company, get them really embedded into it. The second step is the 90-day plan, and and I'll explain that to you here in just a little bit. But I think it's really key to have a strategy for a new employee at any level, whether it's labor, a craftsperson, uh, an operator, or or even a a manager. The third step is back to what I think, uh, Lonnie, you brought it up, the skill training. And I know we may be talking about this in, in many different ways, but the skill train, we have people coming to workforce today in construction that in some cases really don't know the difference between concrete and asphalt. I tell the story that was actually true years ago. I interviewed a gentleman for a job in a, in a, for concrete, and I asked him, do you even know what concrete is? And he said, yeah, that's the black stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, but we have those types of people who may be coming to the industry. And some of those folks may actually work out quite well. The fourth step is coaching and mentoring, exactly coming from those surveys that says, hey, I want some help. I want to grow in this business. The fifth step is engagement and participation. In other words, making them a part of the regular daily involvement, engaging them not only in the work, but involving them in conversations and making them feel as if they're part of the team. Responsibility enhancement. How do we begin to increase uh, how we grow that individual through greater responsibilities. And then the seventh one is uh, is performance review. Most people sort of want to know how they're doing, and many times they expect the boss to provide that. 
let's go back to onboarding. Lonnie, in onboarding, we could talk about a hundred things here. Give me three or four that you might see as could be very important to make sure that we get into the mind and, and the movement of the new employee in the first 30 to 60 days. Yeah, I just, I'm going to speak from personal experience. I guess the first would be is looking at understanding and being exposed to the company's footprint. Today, it's the the big get bigger. So just what makes up this organization that I'm becoming a part of, have become a part of. Is it, let's use construction, for example. Are we vertically integrated? How many asphalt plants do we own? Do we produce our own aggregates? What footprint do we have? What is our market territory? What do we sub? What contract for work? What are we prime contractor? What type of work do we prime contract? So that's just kind of the the industry and, and the lay of the land that way. And it goes in, you know, everything's about technology today. What systems do you use? Speaking from experience and coming into a company is just what are those technology pieces? that you use? What are those systems? How do I get set up so I can hit the ground running? I think next thing would be is training and certifications and back to let me look at this 90 days to get onboarded. Just let me, how do I anchor into this new opportunity? And what is my next week, my next month, my next year look like so I can get a firm footing here and be able to start to grow and, and be nurtured in this organization to basically get off on the right foot and understanding what is expected of me. And that goes back to communication and a true visualization um, during that onboarding process. That's awesome. You know, one of the things that that I find is important, and when I first wrote these articles, guys, I was actually, I thought, writing them for the smaller contractor who maybe doesn't have the resources. As I've worked with larger contractors, they fail at the same effort here. And on the onboarding, I think we should include things, and Lon, you kind of hit on it. What is the values? What's the vision of the organization? Giving a new employee an opportunity to see where this company is really going, because it may help them be inspired to, to see an opportunity for themselves. Let's go to the second step. And Jason, I want to call out you on this. When I wrote the 90-day plan, I actually have an example of that in the book. But the point is, is that, and really it's 90 days, it's 12 weeks. And so the goal there is that there would be more of a formal process of what we want to begin to expose the new employee to. Now, you know, and I know there may be times we hire an employee that's actually maybe pretty experienced. So there may be some areas of that first 12 weeks that we don't have to be as focused on because they're already good. But the 90 days is important because most companies, and they don't have to be in a union to do this, most companies still sort of informally recognize that 90-day time period is a good opportunity for us to evaluate them. What might be some things we'd want to shake out with that new employee in the first 90 days so we're confirmed that we've made the right hiring decision? I think the first plan is to make it structured. I've seen 90-day plans where it really wasn't even a plan. Yeah. But to kind of make it structured over the things that you're going to be looking for, the things that you're going to expect. And I would share that with the employee. This is what we're going to be watching for. This is what we expect from you. Simple things of 90 days. How many times are you late? How many times are you taking the initiative to, to do something extra on the job? Good idea. Um, are you asking for additional help of, hey, I think I have this task down. Let me know if you think the same way. What And I'd like to get you know further developed on my next task. I'd be looking for those that are looking for a little bit more, that are always asking for help, always want some coaching and mentoring. Those type of people you can find in the first 90 days, and those are the ones that you want to hold on to and continue to develop. 
That's awesome. You, you spoke my heart. I appreciate you sharing it that way. That's exactly the, the, how I felt as I was developing that. And I agree with you. I've seen some 90-day plans that were not really anything more than just saying, show up to work. <laughs> and okay, and yeah. about it. Scott, let me, we, we may want to shorten this, uh, this first segment here, but let's look at skill training. There is a wide variety, obviously, depending on what someone is applying to. What might be a couple of issues that a contractor or leader might really be focused on for any employee that they hire as it relates to the type of skill training? Maybe how would they apply it and, and then how would they hold the person accountable? I think, Brad, we need to ask you examples. A lot of people are so eager, yes, I did that. Well, just because you did it once. Maybe you didn't do it correctly. Maybe you didn't do it safely. So we need to put the the person in a situation and see how he reacts to that situation and maybe challenge them a little bit. Maybe describe a, a unsafe situation and see if they push back and say, well, we can't do that because of this and give you some examples before you get them out there in the real world. And then we have something that's unfixable. And we don't want to have that out there on the job sites. Good stuff. Hey, guys, great advice here. And uh, let's go ahead and and call this to uh, a halt. We'll come back for a part two. This is really a a good topic that explores so many different areas of really the soft skills, as we've heard used before, of a leader. For those of you that are listening, please listen to this again and again. You may want to take notes on this one as well. But for more information about, about the podcast, certainly we want you to, you can pursue for constructionpros.com or wherever you might have your favorite podcast. Uh, we're carried on some different areas. So be free to do that. Hey, also, you've got a couple of individuals besides your host here that write articles. Jason and Lonnie both have submitted articles. I think Scott has as well. And you may find some of our articles in some of the periodicals, some of the magazines are on the line not only sponsored by for constructionpros.com, but perhaps by some others as well. So thank you for listening. Hey, join us for part two of this. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. Enjoy our podcast? Well, then check out forconstructionpros.com for industry articles and webinars featuring Caterpillar's experts, Jason Hurtis, Lonnie Fritz, and Scott Hagemann.